This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. This episode contains some swear words and some big teethy boys, aka crocodile. My name is Madeline. Is it? How's that spelled? <laughs> Excuse me, Madeline. All right, my name is Jessica. I tend to go by Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Lock it in. That's the intro. Are you ready? I am as ready as I'm going to be, mate. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> In 1970, Biwa Reptile Park, a two-acre wildlife park, is established in Biwa, Queensland, on the Sunshine Coast. Fun fact, lived there from when I was like, not not, not at the wildlife park, but in Biwa. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica 80, Australia's mm-hmm. deadliest snake. Truly. Um, from the age of what? I don't know, three to five? Two and a half to five? That is in when Biwa. I lived in Biwa. Yeah. There you go. Heidi's decided to start screaming. Maddie's cat. Also been to Biwa. She has actually. She's seen the zoo. There you go. Um, anyway, anyway, go on. <laughs> opened by Bob and Lynn Irwin. So Bob or Robert or Rob, all interchangeable, um, was a plumber from Melbourne who had previously built sheds and houses. The whole family had moved up from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And he designed and built the BOR Reptile Park. They had three Do we know why? For shits and gigs. Okay, cool. Well, the only reason I could find why is that they just really liked reptiles and they were like, we're living the dream on the Sunshine Coast. <laughs> right do it. Why not? It's like gurgling. Yes. <laughs> I can hear that from here. <laughs> Straight into the microphone. <laughs> this is going to go well. It's going really well okay. so far. Yeah, they just were like living the dream, building a reptile park, having some kids. Mm-hmm. What questions would you have, really? <laughs> uh- <laughs> I think why not is more the question. Why not build a reptile park? Yeah, yeah, totally. To quote Lisa McGuire, why not? So they had three kids, Joy, Steve, and Mandy, and they all attended Lansborough State School and Calandra State High on the Sunshine Coast. And for the first few years of the Irwins' life together, uh, they lived in an old caravan because Dad kind of built the park before he built the house. Oh, yeah. Um, and, then they, and then they built the house. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to make those reptile dollars, baby. Mm. Um, well, what's <laughs> the other option, building a house and just filling it with lizards? I think building the zoo first does make a bit of sense. Or building a house and filling an old caravan full of snakes. Mm. I think perhaps they made the right choice. Business venture for our future, mm. noted. <laughs> uh, caravan so- of lizards, that's what we'd call <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, (laughs) so Steve in particular was always fascinated with the animals and handling the animals and actually was a very keen photographer from a young age. He would take photos of his dad 
and the animals in the park on his box Brownick camera. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1982, so two years later, the park was renamed the Queensland Reptile and Fauna Park, and the area was doubled with a purchase of another four acres. In the mid-80s, a young bloke rocked up with his dad, desperate to work at the reptile park, and his name was Wes. Of course um, he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a true larrikin. So... Wes was a very close friend, well, became very close friends with Harriet the tortoise that lived in the park. Aww. And, yeah, did you ever go to Australia Zoo? I, I have no memory of it, but, like, I know that I have. Mm, you would have met Harriet because she was there for forever because mm. um, she was reportedly collected by Charles Darwin. Oh, from the Galapagos Islands themselves in 1835. Mm. So she died in 2006 at an estimated age of 175. Christ. What? Yeah. Yeah, I remember meeting Harriet. It was like, this is the oldest thing in the world. And there was a tortoise. (laughs) Hey, girl. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Anyway, back to the 80s. What a strange (laughs) journey. Of life, Galapagos Islands, I know. colonialism, Ch- Charles, Australia Zoo. Charles Bloody Darwin mm. and then Steve Bloody Irwin. Mm. Crikey, indeed. <laughs> um, so back to the 80s. Uh, mm. uh, the Irwins loved Wes like another brother and in no time at all he was allowed to feed the crocodiles from the fence with Steve as well. So he became a part of the family mm. and Steve and Wes got up to many shenanigans Um, so Steve tells this story that I found which is that in 1985 his mum and dad went on their first holiday in 15 years and this was like the first time that they were like all right boys you're gonna look after the park and you're gonna be responsible and we're gonna go away for a holiday um hopefully not in the reptile caravan terrifying so they terrifying and um so they did that and This is a quote from Steve. They hadn't left 15 minutes when I said to Wes, hey, mate, check this out, as I fed Anvil, which was one of the mighty crocs. Mm -hmm. Of course, Wes was totally impressed and more than a little envious. We were so bad. Okay, Wes, you feed him. He didn't have to be asked twice. Wes jumped into the start of his croc feeding career. Thank God Dad never found out. So they were literally just like jumping fences and hanging out with crocodiles. Okay. Yeah, and that's where, where it all began. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so from there on in, Wes and Steve would run amok with the crocodiles any moment that they could, anywhere, any time that Dad was away from the park. Also around this time, a 15-year-old girl, Kelsey, started working at the zoo doing work experience and quickly bonded also with Harriet mm-hmm. and the entire menagerie. So Bob, Lynn, Steve, Wes and Kelsey were a great team and they were the ones that really got the zoo going. In 1987, the Crocodile Environmental Park was opened in an effort to aid saltwater crocodile protection. So within this, Steve was basically enlisted by the Queensland government to um, catch crocodiles that were in threat or whatever and Mm. relocate them either to other more suitable habitats 
or to the zoo if they needed to be looked after. Yeah. Um, And they did this for quite a while and he caught over 100 crocodiles. That's a lot of crocodiles. It's many. It's many. And that's just in this one program that he caught mm. over a hundred. But he and he would often like encounter the same one again and be like, Oh, Lisa, I've met you before. <laughs> I know what she like if you've ever seen footage of him, he'll be like, That's Lisa. Now you know that when she does her death roll, she goes to the left instead of the right. And anyway, like he just mm. knows them. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was my terrible impersonation. Um <laughs> and so some of these crocodiles would then be sent back to dad, his dad, Bob and mm. Wes. Um, to become stars of the Crocodile Environmental Park. During this time, they also um, bred an endangered proserpine rock wallaby with the endangered yellow-footed rock wallaby, so different subspecies, to see if their offspring would be capable of breeding. And the project was a huge success because they could. Um, and the University of Queensland and the Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service studied this and basically saved the rock wallaby. Wow, so two different endangered rock wallabies and they were just like, hello, would you like to try? Give it a go. Yeah, and then the wallabies were just like, okay. Yeah, the original matchmaker. Interesting, very strange, but okay. Yeah, so it's around this time that like quite serious, you know, conservationists actually start paying attention because they're like, oh, this bloke actually is doing some really cool things. Mm. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. over in Oregon, USA, a woman named Terry Rains starts a wildlife rehabilitation facility called Cougar Country. Amazing. Stunning. Yeah. I know. Excellent name. Better name mm. than whatever the Queensland yeah. reptile hoo-ha park. Yeah. Um, and this specialised in predatory mammals, which is pretty cool. So she mm. was like cats, bears, that shit. Yeah. Um, her dad inspired her to do so because he would often bring home injured wildlife and care for them when she was a child. Mm. And she started working um, also in this time in 1989 as a veterinary technician at an emergency vet hospital. In addition to this, she had 15 cats, several birds, and a dog of her own. 15 cats, you say? F- 15. And like I big cats find or? Out, yeah, that's mm. what I couldn't find out, Jess, if they were little cats or big cats. Wouldn't be surprised either way. Mm. If anyone knows Terry personally, please put us in touch. Yeah, if you bump into her at the Wombai IGA, as we sometimes did, mm. just ask her for me. That would be great. Yeah. In the 90s, Bob and Lynn retire and move to Rosedale which means that Steve and Wes and Kelsey are like, let's go. They start running the park. Um, Also in this time in 1992, Steve starred in the Solo Man commercial. Solo as in the drink. Oh. And he was like the Solo Man. They would have like a man that was, yeah. What did he do in those commercials? I don't know. I don't know either. We could potentially dig up. Was he as himself or was it just like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like always as himself in pretty Mm. much everything. Yeah. Um, And it was shortly after this that Steve met Terry while she was visiting the park for a work research trip. So they met at the zoo. Of course they did. Where else would they meet? I mean, like literally in the wild they could have. Yeah. But Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, like. 
Lady and the Tramp sipping some spaghetti, but they're like going for the same crocodile anyway. Mm, different um, ends of a long well, snake. Yes. Oh, mm. let's write that. Let's yeah. write that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Terry said at the time, I thought there was no one like this guy anywhere in the world. He sounded like an environmental Tarzan, a larger than life superhero guy, which he was. Mm. Well, <laughs> it's like there's no one like him in the world except for Terry. Like, yeah. You know? And his son, but that's spoilers. Mm. Um, they were engaged four months later and then married like almost immediately after that. So they married in on June 4th, 1992. So she literally moves mm. across the world to be with this man immediately. Like that's mm. how in love they were. Amazing. That's so beautiful. Yeah, they really found each other. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's this like, just like yeah. niche people. It's when you find yeah. someone it's like, yep. Yeah, compatible you're just like, oh, lifestyle. Might as well lock it in. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there aren't many of us kicking around. Um, and their honeymoon was a crocodile rescue mission, which they filmed. So they filmed oh. the whole thing. And this would become the first episode of The Crocodile Hunter. I was just going to say, I vaguely knew that like their first crocodile hunting film was their honeymoon. Yeah. So it's- we can all watch their honeymoon. Mm. PG rated. Yeah. Um, the show premieres in Australia in 1996 and in America in 1997, which launches Steve into international celebrity. The phrase crikey takes off and he's suddenly like a global superstar. Mm. Late 90s. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's Pretty such amazing. a formative like thing for all of superstar. us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's like, yeah, we kind of forget how huge he was in America as well. Mm. You know, being a Queensland Sunshine Coast guy, we're like, oh, yeah, there's Steve and Australia Zoo, but actually like this is an international celebrity. Yeah, yeah. so they also start bringing in um, their first kind of international wildlife with the American gators in this time, and they have to buy the neighbour's avocado farm in order to expand because the car Mm. park was overflowing. And they were like, oh, shit, we need more room. We're getting really popular. Um, in 1997, while on a fishing trip off the coast of Queensland, Steve and his dad, Bob, discover a new species of turtle. Of course they do. And uh-huh, And Bob names the turtle um, Irwin's turtle, which is like El Sayer Irwini after the family. And Leo Sayer or... <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> also named after him. <laughs> uh, musical icon. Um, so in 1998, they changed the name to Australia Zoo. Hooray. Um, and Steve and Terry kind of officially take over with Wes and Kelsey by their mm. side. Wes in particular was like a key player also in all of the documentaries and stuff, like you'll see him mm. around. Um, and then also in 1998, on July 24th, a young Bindi Irwin is born in Budrum. Baby. Baby, yeah, their daughter. And like just, so just quickly, like Australia Zoo, mm. it's a great name. Mm. It's such a bold name and it's mm. like you would think – that such a zoo is maybe, I don't know, the biggest or somewhere really 
prominent. Like maybe it's in a capital city. It's just like if you don't know where Biwa is, of course you don't. Of course you don't know where Biwa is. Like no. it has, a, and of, like of course it's in an avocado farm. Yeah, well, that, there was lots of like macadamia farms there as well. Like it's that's the area. Like it's yeah, so wild. Pineapples, avos, macadamias, and a zoo, and bananas. That's the produce. Mm, delicious, and some mountains. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Anyway, India's that's born. <laughs> <laughs> that's a beer wire for you if you mm. uh, can't travel there right now. There you go. Lovely soundscape. Um, mm. Yeah. So their daughter Bindi is born, and she is named. Um, her first name is after one of uh, Steve's favorite crocodiles, but it's also an indigenous word for young girl in some indigenous dialects. And her middle name Sue was named after mm. Steve's dog, Sue. The, around this time, the Crocosium <laughs> Stadium is also built. The who now? The Crocosium. Oh, like the Colosseum, but crocodiles? Yeah. Great. But Crocosium. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a seating capacity of about 5,000. Ex- pardon? Which is, which, is, which is bigger than my memory yeah. tells me. Like I remember going to that as a kid, but I was like 5,000. Wow. Good God. Mm. Yeah. How many people even live in Biwa? Like this is purely tourism. These are all out of town. About 5,000, mm. yeah. Yeah, just the whole town. <laughs> like honestly, it'd probably be. Community meetings maybe less, in the Maybe less than that. Yeah. Um, so at the time of its construction, it was the first in the world where you could go and see a snake, bird and crocodile show. Hmm. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The 2000s, the golden era. So December 1st, 2003, Robert Bob, their son, is born, obviously named after Steve's father. Mm -hmm. And in 2004, Steve dedicated the Australia Zoo Wildlife Hospital. So they open a hospital and then he dedicates it to his mum who passed away in 2000. Um, In this time, the Crocodile Hunter show absolutely goes bananas or avocados in Mm. this case (laughs) (laughs) and Irwin went to start in other um documentaries including croc files the crocodile hunter diaries and new breed vets is the crocodile hunter diaries anything like the princess diaries or only it is actually yeah it's the same thing he goes to genovia that's um, nice hangs out with julia andrews yeah 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 eats some pears I wonder if they ever met Steve and Julie. Julie Andrews. Hmm. Anyway. If anyone knows. Julie, if you're listening, <laughs> let us know. Also, if you want to do an episode, please. Yeah. So also in this time, the Steve Irwin Conservation Foundation, which was later named to Wildlife Warriors, which a lot of us know hmm. about, is created. So basically like the charity arm of yeah. the um, organisation. Sorry, there is a cat that is not mine staring at me from a window. Okay, I was going to say, in, in your house, do you need to deal with that or put it outside? Francis, <laughs> you need to leave. Wow, it's like I'm almost in a Zoom of my own. <laughs> so in 2001, Steve Irwin does a Dr. Doolittle 2 cameo. I do not remember that at all and no. I don't care to look it up. No. <laughs> um, however, he also had his own feature film where he was the leading role in 2002, The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course. I've definitely seen that. 
I've seen it. I think I've seen it on VHS at Vanessa Kirstenfeld's house in probably around the time it came out. That's very specific. Yeah, I don't have any memories of it. I just know yeah. that I've seen it. And I'm sure it's what you'd expect yeah. it to be. Yeah, from memory. Even at the time, I was like, even as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah. Anyway, it had mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> So, yeah, and in the film, Erwin, who plays himself, um, accidentally mistakes some CIA agents for poachers. So it's a bit of a cat and mouse situation, mm-hmm. uh, but it's the CIA, and I can't remember why they're there. Yeah. Who knows? Wild. That's a spoiler anyway. <laughs> um, and then in 2002, the Australia Zoo was voted Queensland's top tourist attraction. So it's around this time that the zoo becomes absolutely huge and a huge part of tourism for the Sunshine Coast because mm. his well, immense popularity in the States means that Americans are coming to Queensland mm. All to the, see the, this happen. Like the movies and the shows and everything is essentially to fund the zoo and like the conservation stuff. Like it's yeah. So that's the whole above and yeah, beyond. That's how it yeah, works. yeah. So the money from the shows go into the zoo, go into the animals. And mm. Yeah, like it's very you know yeah. nice. Um, also in 2002, notably a bigger achievement in my opinion, Owen and his family appeared in the Wiggles DVD slash video release of Wiggly Safari, which was yeah. set in Australia Zoo. Amazing. I've definitely seen that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I remember that more vividly. Mm. <laughs> in a more positive light yeah. than the Crocodile Hunter film. Yeah. <laughs> um. uh, in November 2004, Irwin was filming a documentary on sea lions off the coast of the um, Baja California Peninsula in Mexico where he heard um, via the radio, like his boat's radio, that two scuba divers from a separate trip had gone missing in the area. So he suspended filming and used his crew and resources to help find the divers. Mm. On the second day of the search, they actually found one um, perched on a narrow rock ledge off the side of a cliff and Erwin and a crew member escorted this diver back to Erwin's boat. Wow. Um, and later that, yeah, unfortunately later that day the second diver was found deceased. But, mm. yeah, he saved someone and was like, stop filming, we got to go do the right thing mm. for two days. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. In January 2004, controversy struck when um, Irwin carried his one-month-old son, Bob, in his arm while hand-feeding a chicken carcass to Murray, which is the almost four-metre saltwater crocodile. Do mm. you remember that? I do, yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten about it until – but I remember it being a really big deal and lots of people drew similarities to um, the Michael Jackson, you know, mm. hanging blanket off the balcony yeah. situation. Um yeah, and so Erwin apologised on the NBC show but also kind of defended his actions, saying that he was in complete control of the situation and they even showed footage of the event from a different angle showing that they were mm. much further away from the crocodile than what it kind of appeared to have happened in the very yeah. famous clip. Um, Terry also stated that the child were, was in no more danger than one being taught to swim. Mm. But, yes. Yeah, very mixed. I, I think it's kind responses. of fair enough. And because also a lot of there's some like criticism of like you're using your kids for like the show and like the money making. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. But also yeah. it's like it's a baby and like by having the baby there you get to hang out with your baby. Like 
it's it's I can totally see how it would happen Mm. you know like you can just see how it would happen where it's like yeah like we as kids we were around horses and stuff all the time which I know isn't the same as a crocodile but some Mm. parents would be like you can't be up there with a you know yeah Yeah, you can see but you can also see how people would you know watching it live from a particular angle would panic and go oh my god that's really fucked you can see (laughs) both sides of that Literally, you can because yeah. there's multiple footage. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and then in January 2006 on an interview on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. So this is like mm. he's doing all of the evening show circuits, the, the night yeah. show circuits in um, the US. Steve announced that Discovery Kids would be developing a show for his daughter, Bindi. Mm. Unfortunately, eight months later, on September 4th, 2006, Steve was pierced in the chest by a stingray barb while filming in the Great Barrier Reef. The stinger penetrated his thoracic wall into his heart, causing mass bleeding. So his team were at Bat Reef near Port Douglas in Queensland, um, taking part in the production of a documentary series called Ocean's Deadliest. And it was during, it's actually like during a lull in filming that it happened where um, the weather was a bit dodgy. It wasn't great. And so Owen decided to go snorkeling in some shallow waters and they were filming the the, um, the situation for mm. actually for Bindi's show, which is quite mm. unfortunate. Um, and it was while he was swimming in about chest deep water that he approached a stingray and, um, and it wasn't even like a huge one either. Mm-hmm. I think they said it was like a two meter wide stingray. Um, and a witness stated that all of a sudden the stingray propped on its front and started stabbing wildly with its tail, hundreds of strikes in a few seconds. So Erwin um, initially believed that he'd only been, he only had a punctured lung and actually pulled the barb out. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, it had. Um, actually pierced through his heart Mm. and so crew members aboard the boat administered CPR but he bled to death on the back of the boat before um, they could get to shore they did rush to the nearby um, like the closest shore they could Mm. go to but it just was Mm. it was kind of like an impossible situation Um, and he was pronounced dead um, on shore and then Footage of the incident was viewed by the Queensland police as part of their investigation, um, as well as the director and the producer who like mm. found it really scarring. But all copies of the footage was destroyed afterwards mm. um, as asked by the family. Yeah. So no one can ever find it again. Yeah, which was a really horrible thing that happened. Do you, do I you remember? remember? I was just going to say I yeah, remember. Because what year did you say? 2006. Yeah, it was 2006, yes. beginning of 2006. So I would have been in like grade. Oh, sorry, no, towards the end of 2006. I would have been like grade nine and like I remember being at school and like yeah. everyone thought it was a joke. Yes, we had the same thing. I was in grade seven and I remember being, I remember really vividly I was being picked up by my friend's mum because I was going mm. back to her house to like play in the creek and whatever and her little brother in the car said Steve Irwin had died and we all went, no, he didn't. Don't say that. And like, we just didn't think it was true. And he, like, her mum, his mum, said, "You shouldn't say things like that. That's not very nice. Like, mm. those jokes aren't very funny." And then mm. I remember we got to her house and put the TV on, 
and it was on the news. And, like, that was the level of shock that a parent was like, no, 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 like that's not a thing. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think one of the teachers yeah. went and, like, checked and, like, put the news on, like yeah. found out or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's how he found out because a teacher obviously told their grade. But mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because, like, no one – because it was such a big deal, obviously, and, like, such a tragedy. Yeah, it was a really big deal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, like you said, it was a huge deal to the point where, um, you know, he kind of prompted reactions from around the world. So the Prime Minister at the time, John Howard, expressed shock and distress at the death. Um, he also said that Australia has lost a wonderful and colourful son. Well, for a lot of it, it was like for a slightly older group of people, like when Princess Di died, like it's literally yeah. that's the other equivalent. Yeah, yeah kind of, yeah. In that's terms of like good. public, which is wild. Especially for like our, yeah, our local kind mm. of Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, uh, speaking of Queensland, the, the Premier at the time, Peter Beattie, um, rem- said that Owen would be remembered as not just a great Queenslander but a great Australian. And the flags of the Sydney Harbour Bridge were lowered to half-mast, which is mm. a huge yeah. deal. Thousands of Owen's fans visited Australia Zoo after his death and they left flowers, candles, stuffed animals and flags. There were a couple American flags and Australian mm. flags. and Yeah. In there was a couple of things that were named in honour of him as well. So he had provided his voice for the 2006 animated film Happy Feet. Mm. Um, he was an elephant seal named Trev, which I think is excellent. I vaguely remember <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he kind of he died during post-production, but they mm. left the voice in mm. and then dedicated the film to mm. him, which is really nice. Um, there was also the... Sea Shepherd vessel MV Robert Hunter, um, which was renamed to MY Steve Irwin. So shortly before he died, um, he had been looking into joining Sea Shepherd's voyage to Antarctica, which was to disrupt the Japanese whaling activity. So mm. he was going to join them for a bit, mm. um, but that obviously didn't happen. And then the Steve Irwin Highway was renamed. Mm. The Steve well. Irwin Way. Yep which runs past the zoo, um, is also, for locals listening, it's also a really great way to dodge the Sunshine Coast long weekend traffic, the Steve Irwin way, mm. if you want that tip. Um, <laughs> there was also a species of air-breathing land snail discovered in Australia around this time. Air-breathing land snail. Yeah. Okay. They breathe air. Did land snail. Are there other land snails that don't breathe air? I think they're not land snails. I think they're snails that live in the water. Oh, okay. You know, had theirs like whatever. Mm. A land snail (laughs) (laughs) was named um, Crikey Steve Irwinny. That's lovely. Yeah, they really, like, they didn't land on one idea. They put all of them in. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and they made it work. Yes. So after the um, the death, the family did a couple of interviews, but also like didn't front the cameras mm. straight away. Um, there was an interview close to a year later on Australian Story, 
mm-hmm. where John Stanton, who was the like director and the producer of all of the Crocodile Hunter documentaries and was the guy who was there when he died, mm. um, he had had a prem- he said he says that he had like a premonition earlier that year that this year would be his last. Like he just had this gut feeling that something terrible was going to mm. go wrong. And he was one of those people that would, you know, kind of just listen to those kind of gut feelings. And he like he got his will made. Um, he got a bunch of cancer tests um, because he had a family history. He got a bunch mm. of health checks done. He started like looking at his health. And then he was like, oh, but it was actually Steve. Mm. And he's always held this belief that like that feeling that he had you know, was his gut kind of saying that something really bad is going to happen. Um, he also said that Steve never thought that he'd be taken by an animal. His um, old friend Wes said that the one thing about Steve was that he made sure everyone around him knew how much he loved them. Hmm. And they had wrapped filming on another series around this time and there's this lovely footage of Steve like thanking everyone in the team and being really lovely Mm. um there was an offer of a state funeral for Steve Owen but um his family decided that Steve wouldn't have wanted that he would have wanted it somewhere he loved which was the Crocosium that's so good I was just gonna say surely surely it was at the zoo it was it was yeah, mm. and like the Wiggles performed to John Williams, like it was mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big time. Um, and Bindi actually spoke at the funeral, which was her her choice. She wanted mm. to do that, um, and she wrote her own speech. And she said, um, she ended it, and it's quite emotional and lovely. But she ended it as Daddy made this place his whole life. Now it's our turn to help Daddy. Oh, was she like eight or nine, little baby? Maybe even littler than mm. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, about eight she would have been. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Little muffin. Um, yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, around this time as well, she she and Terry, let's just, let's just be honest, they cocked a lot of shit mm. because people were really kind of calling out that Bindi was up in front of the cameras and stuff mm. really early. Like she went to the Kids' Choice Awards not long afterwards mm-hmm. and it was a decision that they made because it was like she's a kid and she said this horrible thing happened mm. you know it's going to be really fun for a kid that's just gone through trauma going and playing in slime at the Nickelodeon Kids yeah. Choice Awards mm. like yeah and it was something that her and Steve were meant to do together but Terry went with her mm. instead so she's like chaperoned the entire time but yeah. people between that and the speech that she gave, all of this controversy kind of bubbled up where people were like, you're, you know, using her to, anyway, mm-hmm. horrible times. like this eight-year-old kid. Um, and then, of course, her show premieres um, about a year later as well, which they were in the middle of filming. Like Steve mm-hmm. is actually in the first season because they had filmed about yeah. half of it. And they took a break, like they stopped filming, and then they waited until she wanted to do it and she like supposedly, according to all mm. accounts, she wanted to keep doing the show, mm. which is like anyone that's met a kid that's grieving, you know, like it's this mixed bag of awful feelings but also wanting normalcy again. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I remember even as a kid, I remember at the time that being a huge controversy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that too. 
Steve's father, Bob, actually said in response to all of this about Bindi, which is that she seems to enjoy it. Filming for her is like soccer or cricket for other kids. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, And also, like, you've grown up seeing your mum and dad do that all the time. Like, of course she wants to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was something that she enjoyed. Mm. Um, Yes. So then on Channel 9, um, Terry was interviewed by Ray Martin uh, and... She said during that interview, this is kind of her first one-on-one interview, I think, and she actually hasn't done that many. Like she, you know, Mm. she's she's actually somewhat private. Um, But she said during the interview that she'll make Australia Zoo bigger. I'll make it bigger because I promised. Mm. And she bloody did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she really did. She's, She's pretty bloody amazing um so in 2007 literally like a year later the zoo and the queensland government had made a deal which permitted the development of an open range safari Mm -hmm. at the zoo so the zoo expanded to like huge so it went from being you know kind of what it was what you and i would have visited when we Mm. were kids to like world-class standard you know huge zoo wow around this time yeah, because it's huge now, like it's mm. massive. Um, and shortly after that, the new wildlife hospital opened and at the time they claimed that it was probably the largest in the world. Mm. So that was pretty amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, and the park hasn't stopped growing since. So it now hosts multiple sections, including the Crocosium, Africa, Tiger Temple, Elephant Asia, Rainforest, Avery, Bindi's Island, the hospital, and many, many more Native Australian sections yeah should we go to the zoo yeah i actually really want to go (laughs) when my writing deadlines are over i will be going to the zoo (laughs) i've actually already lined up someone to go with me i was like i need to go so um yeah um but when you next visit queensland i will take you i might be a member by then that's great we'll go to australia zoo and the big pineapple and aussie world yeah Research. And that hedge maze, um, maybe. Anyway, go on. I don't think that's a thing anymore. Oh, no. Bellingham maze. Mm. Yeah, RIP. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway, I once saw my one of my fondest Australia Zoo memories mm-hmm. is that I saw Ernie Dingo at the Dingo enclosure. Oh, that's great. Mic drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was pretty wild. I I can actually picture, I can still kind of picture it being like, oh, my God. And my dad tells that story to this day. He's like, we saw Ernie Dingo. Wait for it. Wait for it. At the Dingo enclosure. Do you think he was just hanging out there all day so he could give a bunch of kids a nice story? Or Yeah, maybe. (laughs) He didn't go anywhere else. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah, they pay him a pretty penny just to hang around. They give him an ice cream for the day and, Mm. you know, yeah, he's – because he's got nothing better to do. He's just a very successful man with lots of things to do all Mm. the time. Doesn't he live in West um, Australia too, you know? Anyway. Oh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But anyway, so these days, so by now, like Bindi has, after all that controversy, she's been on numerous TV shows and mm. made heaps of appearances and become a very successful business lady mm. herself. So clearly it was something that, like, you know, she's yeah. gone on to pursue. She actually won Dancing with the Stars um, USA 
a few years ago. Yeah, apparently she was really good. I didn't watch it, but. No, it's not for me, but no. apparently she was good enough to win, which means you must be okay. Mm. <laughs> um, and then in 2019, she became engaged to Chandler Powell, who I didn't realise until researching this episode is a professional wakeboarder from Florida. Okay. Yeah. And guess what? He's an American. And guess what? They met at Australia Zoo. Perfect. Tradition. Honestly. Yeah. But they met when the, in 2013, like, a, mm. you know, when they were kids and then they ended up getting married. That's really cute. Um, and then, yeah, and then literally like a couple weeks ago they had a baby. A baby. Um, Grace Warrior Irwin Powell, which also, which was on the 25th of March, which also happened to be their first wedding anniversary. Cute. Yeah. Um, Bob Irwin, who I am actually obsessed with, Mm -hmm. is amazing. So he's had a great career as well. He's gone viral several times because Mm -hmm. he'll go on shows like the Jimmy Fallon show and be like, look at this, look at this thing. This is a snake called Fluffy. Um, and then of course all the Americans are like, oh, he's just like his dad. Anyway, so he goes viral all the time. And so he should, cause he's naturally very talented and he does a lot of the shows at the park and works very closely with the animals. Hmm. He's also an incredibly accomplished photographer. Hmm. Yeah. Highly recommend looking up his photography. Like it's stunning. Is it all animals? Um, nature more broadly. Hmm. Lovely. Of course yeah. it is. I think he even won an award recently or was shortlisted in like an international prize or something last year. Yeah. Um, I should have checked that, but I bloody didn't. So deal with it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In 2019 and early 2020, so during the the horrible bushfires that happened here in Australia, the Wildlife Hospital at Australia Zoo treated its 90 thousandth injured animal that's a lot of animals so they treated 90,000 animals mm. um just injuries during yeah. the time that it's been open which is pretty amazing mm. the ON TV programs have been enjoyed by over 500 million viewers worldwide and the family Bindi Bob and Terry um as well as Terry's husband and daughter all still live and work in the Mm. park Mm -hmm. they do have other residencies around i remember when i was in grade seven i went to the kawana christmas boat parade and um the people's house i was staying at were neighbors with the owens boat christmas boat parade yeah Yeah, kawana waters doll like i'm familiar Mm. with kawana waters it's where they they have quite a good um christmas light um, display yes. in one of the little suburbs. So a bunch of the estates in that area back onto rivers, like mm-hmm. man-made rivers. Yeah. So you know how you have a cul-de-sac? It's like yeah. that but water. Mm. Um, but lots of them. And then there was a Christmas boat parade and we were on a boat with like my friends, parents, elderly friends. Like I mm. did not know these people. And we had Christmas hats and the guy played the bagpipes. So the boats are and like... We- just going down the river yeah. and people watch and people yeah they're like decorated in christmas decorations and that's we, ludicrous we had bagpipes. 
The yeah, bagpipe. it is. At the time, I was like, this is a fun activity. But now when I say it all out loud, I didn't realize it would be such a segue. So strange. Bagpipes are a thing. nice choice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But it means every time I hear, mm. I think of me being on a boat at Christmas. The Kiwana Waters and Christmas Steve Boat Parade. Steve Irwin's boat. Well, not boathouse, but house along the water. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. Um, I interrupted. (laughs) And my final line is that that Australia, (laughs) Uh, I whip out some bagpipes. Oh, God. Mm. So Australia Zoo now encompasses over 700 acres, which is 698 more than they had and employs over yeah, and employs over 500 staff. Wow. Um, conti- yeah, continuing Steve's mission of conservation through exciting education. Mm. That is exciting. That's the Irwin family and Australia Zoo, my guy. Mm. I have some thoughts, um, mostly about Bindi. Uh-huh. Yes. I feel very strongly. Have about Bindi. I feel so strongly about Bindi. Well, because, like, she copped so much crap as a kid and, like, I feel like, I mean, I thought she was a bit annoying too because, like, she mm-hmm. had, it was like Bindi and the Croc Men or whatever. There was this really weird, like, song thing where she had all these, like, grown adult men backing dances and it was really weird. Yes, she had an album. Yeah, and, like, her voice was a bit annoying, but she was nine. Yeah, she was a baby. Yeah, like Literal all baby. All nine-year-olds are yeah. a bit annoying. Like have, I'm a bit annoying now. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Why are you guys listening? Um, I don't know. No, I totally like- agree because I also like got on the you know Bindi, Bindi's annoying bandwagon as a kid, and I think a lot of us did. And it was mm. also that thing of like Sunshine Coast kid that has money and fame mm. versus your like stick and wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to go and play in the creek again. Mm. Um, But they probably were doing, they were also playing in creeks just with cameras. Um, Mm. But like as an adult, it's like the Britney Spears thing where it's like, Mm. oh, I was part of the problem and I realised that it was completely unfair and the media completely jumped on this kid and Terry Mm. as well. Terry got a lot of shit. Yeah, and partly I think Um, it's because she's American and that like Americans can read as really pushy. And so Biddy does have a bit of an unusual accent because it's like very Australian, very American. Can be great. I mean, a huge tall poppy syndrome. And like, this was not the pristine Noosa part of the Sunshine Coast. This Mm. is regional Sunshine Coast where a lot of us didn't have a lot of money. Mm. Like, you know, so it was very easy to kind of. Yeah, assume the arrogance when actually looking back, I go, oh, this is this is just an amazing family and. You know, I'm gonna mm. make I'm gonna make it up to them and go to the bloody zoo and watch some of the crocodile hunter. And like, because then also kind of got a bit of criticism for like then like getting married young and like having a baby and stuff. And it's just like let Bindi live. Yeah, because like, also like yes, it's young for maybe myself, but it's mm. like, she's not like 17. She's actually she's a young no. woman now. Like she's she's an adult. She's 22 or something yeah like she's in her 20s and also like famous family her dad died super tragically and then like she's 
lives in a zoo. Like she's homeschooled. <laughs> she lives in a zoo. <laughs> you know? And oh, she seems Sorry, perfectly... just the build up to <laughs> that as like, and that would fuck you up. <laughs> like she seems so like normal and happy. And also like Beer well, probably all her friends have also gotten married young. And well, happy. I was I was actually yes. gonna say like twenty two is not young for the sunshine ghost. Like it's really not. And no. they met and they've known each other for seven years or eight years or something. Like mm. it's yeah. Like that's really nice. Like because yeah. a young, you know, zoo heiress, I guess, and a wakeboarder, why not? Yeah. They can just have kids and I think it's nice. And know? how is it any different to what Steve and Terry did? Nothing. It's not. Yeah. I think maybe they were a bit older, but. Not that much. They met someone at the zoo and they fell in love. Yeah. And they got married less than a year later. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like what, four months later? Yeah. Bindi knew this guy for seven, eight years or something. Yeah. Bindi's made a really considered decision, actually. I think it's okay. Anyway. That's also, if it doesn't work out, like that's relationships and people and who cares? Like it's none of your business. No one's yeah. doing anything wrong. Get over it. Mm. That's what I've learned today. Cool. <laughs> care about the snakes. Don't care about your being snakes to Bindi. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> look, maybe she is a bit unusual. Great. Yeah, you but know? you would. You would. Mm. You know, when your best friends are bison, like you would. Yeah, they're spending <laughs> a lot of time with reptiles, you know. Yeah. Good for them. Um. My sources for this <laughs> were my own lived experiences as well as Jess's, um, Who magazine, the Australia Zoo website, Australian Stories, ABC, Wikipedia, and this fun little gem that I found, which is an archived version of the Australia Zoo website. So I read a lot of old versions of their website where Steve told his um, story in first person, which was actually very nice to read. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Yeah. Also an internet time wormhole. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is what websites used to look like. How did we do this? <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Oh, well, that's like things like if you're in Brisbane and you want to go roller skating, like the Stafford City Skate Centre, their website looks like it's from the original internet, but it's perfectly functional. Yeah, well, you know. That's my Don't little. fix it if it ain't broke. No. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, it is. I mean, it's my turn to do research next week. Um, and I'm gearing up for the Sydney Comedy Festival, which is a bit hectic. So we are going to look at the cultural impact of Kath and Kim. And by that, I mean, we're going to watch a couple episodes of Kath and Kim and then we're going to talk about it. A review, baby. Another one. Because you liked Ella Brandy so much. Well, here we mm. go. Catherine and Kimberly. I'm Love ready. Um, you pack a chance. If you're in Sydney, um, come see me at the Comedy Festival. It's on the 1st and 2nd of May. And you can actually use those, like, government Dine and Discover vouchers, I've discovered. If you want to use your free government money to come to my show, that would be amazing. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. Mine, you have to use your real money, I'm afraid. Mm. It's not very much, though. So come to um, La Boite on the 23rd, which is this Friday, and hear the reading of my new comedy play, Garbage Patch which I've been making with Dead Puppet Society. It's going to be wild. It's full of sci-fi and monsters and 
Brisbane. So enjoy. Cute. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Australianorama or you can bother us via email at Australianorama at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love that. Cute. Bye. Bye. Bye.